Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Second Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to start in verse 7. Uh, you'll be the first ones to know that uh, the first Sunday in February will have, you know, as the normal things that'll go on, I'll be preaching that day also, but we're going to have just a little side note that'll happen during the service. Uh, Father Marabelli, who is the leader for Alleman High School, who has been a priest for years, he's in his 80s right now, just a mighty man of God, and has become a good friend of mine, uh, he's going to be with us that Sunday morning and just share his testimony about what God did in his life and him entering into the priesthood. And uh, he is just a very in-tune man of God. And so I can't wait for him just to share with you a little bit. And he was excited when he was talking today. And uh, he always, bless his heart, he just always calls me Scotty at that point. And he has a voice sort of like this. And, and he said, Scotty, he said, you know, I wouldn't come out to anybody else's church, you know, because that probably wouldn't look good. Can I still wear my collar that day? I said, yeah, you can. He goes, I'll be there. I'll, I, I will be at your church. <laughs> he is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's good to realize that God's doing things in all the body of Christ. And he's just calling out to us in this day and age, especially in America, for a move of God. So anyway, that's the first Sunday coming up in February. All right, are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Take a look at verse 7. I love this verse. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of God. Of us. You know, throughout the Old Testament, whether they were in the tabernacle out in the wilderness or whether they would build an altar and give a sacrifice to God, the children of God have needed a place to worship for a long time. And along with what he would do for them at the altar and then with the tabernacle, eventually the temple was built and the temple was very ornate. It had beautiful jewels, it had gold, it had all these different designs with it so that truly Israel itself is a city that is built up on a hill and you could see the temple, it would just shine in the sunlight. And then Jesus comes along and he says to all of us and he starts to teach and then he reveals through his apostles the importance of us taking our personal life and giving it to God and having a personal relationship with him And then we hear about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God sees us filled with his spirit being a worthwhile place to dwell. We're thankful for buildings that we can dedicate and use for the glory of God. But at the same time, we just have to understand that God sees something special in every one of us. He wouldn't just manifest himself in Old Testament times without some rituals going on. 
There had to be some cleansing. There had to be some offering. There had to be the shedding of blood. There had to be all these things. And the most wonderful part about being a New Testament believer is you are the house of God. So when we read this verse, thinking about all that, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God has chosen to dwell in us upon the earth. And even if you're the only Christian in your office or your neighborhood or wherever you are, even if you're the only Christian there, you represent the same power of God that was there in the temple in Jerusalem, the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It is in you. And you alone walking into a place that could be like a lion's den, you have enough of the Spirit of God in you to be able to shut the mouths of the lions. You have enough of the Spirit of God in you to be able to conquer every attack that comes your way. So this word goes on, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. You and I have certain abilities that we can do things that God's given to you, certain gifts that you can carry out, but think about this. There are times that you and I are doing something and you're just doing it unto God, but the anointing rests upon it and it makes it so powerful that it touches people's lives. It changes hearts. It does something to them on the inside so that they know that they have been around the presence of God. Oh, that was so evident. You know, I love the stories about Smith Wigglesworth and others throughout the history of our own country and people that would preach the Word of God and there would be such moves of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I was talking to you a little bit about Billy Sunday and what God was doing in Chicago through him at one point. Please know this, the move of the Spirit is always going on. We just have to release our faith to see it show up in our lives. God's always on. He's never off. He's never too busy in some other place. He's always on with you and I. And I love that when I think about how that his glory falls. And Wigglesworth talks about doing campaigns and crusades and people would be saved and bars would be closing down in towns and he would be on a train going to another town and later on he would hear reports of people that said the train would pass by taverns and while he was praying on the train, the people inside the tavern got under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and people started repenting at the bars and bartenders would would get born again and their lives would be completely transformed and they would come to the crusade meetings and say did you do this something happened to us nobody can tell us what happened and then he would start hearing the testimonies over and over and over of the move of God and I'm so thankful that the Bible says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh so before Jesus comes back and I'm believing he can come at any particular time. But he promised that there would be even greater moves of his spirit upon this earth. So where some people are saying it's going to be so bad, it's going to be so bad, i got to tell you something. Where there's darkness, the light really shines out. And he said he'd pour his spirit out on all flesh. I believe that this move of the spirit of God that's going on even now upon the earth and in some of your hearts already, this move of God is going to increase so mightily that before Jesus comes back, this will be a massive revival that will hit our country. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, I'm not endorsing any candidate or things, but I want you to hear something I thought was so interesting in our world. You know, the Ted Cruz, his dad is a preacher. 
and he was sharing a testimony uh, how his dad had been preaching about how before the Lord comes back there would be revival, there would be all these things going on. And he made several statements that, you know, sometimes the press mixes things up and only gives you part of the story. And so here's what the press had said. They went up to Ted Cruz and said, your dad says that you are the answer to Bible prophecy and that when you become president, then Jesus can come back. That's what the press said. His father's message was that he was believing that there would be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that having, if his son got into the White House, he said there's going to be such a pull of God upon him because how much he loves the Lord and all the things that he does for God, that he will have prayer in everything he does to lead our nation. And so his dad, you know, dads have a way of getting excited about their children. His dad says, and I just believe it's an answer to prophecy that God would pour his spirit out in the last days and we need a mighty move of God across America and I believe Ted is the answer to my prayers. Now that's a dad preaching, okay? I believe I haven't made up any of my decision who I'm going to vote for. Right now I'm still doing a write-in candidate. That's my dad. So... Anyway, I thought it was so interesting. The, the world doesn't have a clue. And for a long time, the church has had this warped idea that everybody really out there is Christian. It's just that nobody's talking right now. And there is a lot of Christians, but there is a lot of unsaved people that have never heard the gospel who need a move of God. There is a generation that's been raised up that doesn't have the things of the Spirit in front of them that they know what it's like. There is even the things within Pentecost that in some churches today that are Spirit-filled that they've never ever have anybody speak in tongues. They don't ever pray over people. They don't ever take time to let tongues happen in the service. And I'm telling you, God wants the gifts to be in operation in the church of Jesus Christ. And while the world seems deceived, and even some Christians, they sit back and think, boy, if we can just get this person in office, if we can just get this person in office, do you remember what the Bible says? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. It's us. Thank God when you can find somebody who will be in any elected official who wants to submit to God, but it's important for us to never sit back and think if we can just get this person in or if we can just get this person out, everything will be great. We have had a history of us believing for everybody else to solve the problems instead of believing that we can let Jesus solve the problem. So I want to encourage you tonight as we get ready to pray and as what we're believing God for as we come up to these days of prayer and fasting, we have got our work cut out for us. And the good news is working for God is maybe seeming like an uphill battle in much of our culture today, but that's okay. You have been called to go from glory to glory to glory. Now glory goes up. I've never heard of glory going down. The things that are going down, those are always evil. So where are we going? We're going from glory to glory to glory. Hallelujah. Um, stay in this same chapter, and I'd like you to take a look at verse 9 through 11 with me. I'm sorry. Uh, let's, let's go, yeah, chapter 5. Let's go over to chapter 5 and verse 9 through 11. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to that which is done, whether good or bad. Verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known to your conscience. As the apostles writing to the Corinthian church, remember, he's corrected them. There was sexual sin. There were other things that were going on at one time. And he just flat out said, you got to take care of this. You got to get rid of it. No matter what the sin is, if you call out to God and repent, you are forgiven. God didn't look at the Corinthian church and say, you're worthless. You're excessive on your gifts. There's nothing that can happen. No, he kept working with them and teaching them the word. Sometimes we all get a little excessive about something. We can all get excessive about something this way or that way, or even when it comes to doctrine. Sometimes we can get off balance if we just are only hitting one particular thing all the time. But the good news is God's Spirit brings balance to every single one of us. It shows us his power and his purpose. What we do will be judged by God. We know that. Boy, what what better reason to teach everybody to repent. Now, years ago, I met someone who they said to me, well, you can repent about that, but God's still going to judge you on all of it. And I said, what do you mean? Well, you can be forgiven for what you've done, but God's still going to judge so that when you stand before the Lord, all of your life will be shown before the Lord. And you're going to have to see all those areas of sin that were ugly in your life. Now, you know, I, I can't find that in the Bible. Judgment happens for the things that we are not repentant of, that we are not calling out to God for forgiveness for. But when you call out to the Lord and his blood has covered you and made you whole and has made you a whole person, God does not bring up your past. He can't because it was put underneath the blood. So I, I appreciate, you know, the ideas of seeing our lives, seeing things that go on. I, I can't wait. I'm, you know, I think about this. Listen, after 30 years here with all the different missionaries, with all the different support, with all the different things that go on, when we get to heaven, there's going to be people who walk up to you that you don't even know that are going to say, I'm in heaven because you prayed and this happened and that happened. Hallelujah. I think about the people who prayed for the meetings that were going on when I got saved. People I didn't even know, but they were doing their part to prepare everything. Folks that I won't know, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to say thank you. Thank you for doing what you have done. So here's this great life history that will be up there in front of everyone. But the good news is, verse 11, there, no, uh, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men but are well known to God and also trust we are well known to your conscience. I know this may be hard to believe for any of you here tonight, but there, there are Christians that don't ever repent. They just figure that they've got away with it. It must not be that big of a deal. Or because they got away with it and nobody noticed that there's nothing wrong with it. And so they never call out to God for repentance and cleansing. I don't know how you can do that, especially when you go to church and if they're going to receive communion at any time, you're supposed to examine your heart. You know, there was a crazy doctrine that went around at the end of the 90s and going into the beginning of 2000. There were some that were teaching you don't ever have to repent 
because Jesus paid for it all on the cross. If it was all paid for on the cross and everyone's sins were forgiven, then all of you are forgiven whether you know it or not. Crazy stuff goes on. But the good news is God says, I know what's happening. And if you'll stay close to the Holy Spirit, he'll use his spirit to knock on your heart. Hey, you know that wasn't right. You need to do this. You need to change that. You need to repent for this. <sighs> Hallelujah. I want the Lord to be able to say that if I have an impure thought, if I get mad at somebody for something dumb that they've done, and under my breath I'm saying, <laughs> that the Holy Spirit will say, Cully, you need to take care of this. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. See, we, we need that kind of a pull of the Spirit. We don't need the Spirit to be quiet to us. We need the Spirit to be loud. Hallelujah. I want you to think about when you had a brother or a sister growing up and you were loud with each other. You didn't go to the top of the ravine and say, Brother, would you come up? Mom's waiting on you. You'd stand at the top of the ravine and holler. You had that voice out there. Now I want you to think you as parents those times you had to call for your children. I'll never forget, I was in junior high and I had not refilled the ice cube trays in my mom's refrigerator. I had actually took the ice cubes out and just put the empty tray back in. It was summertime. I was down the ravine playing in the cabin with a bunch of the kids. And you know when your mom uses your middle name, you know you're going to get a beating at that point. Brian, Cully, get up here. And my friends were, what, what's going on? What'd you do? I said, I don't know. So afterwards, when I <laughs> was able to see people again, <laughs> what, what did you do that was so bad? Why did your mother, you know, why did she get that? I said, I, I put the empty ice cube tray back in. Really? That was it? You got in trouble for that? Yeah, I won't ever do that again. What was it? It was just being a lazy kid. Sometimes we have to have the snot slapped out of us for that one. The truth is, we all have moments where we want to hear God and we hear him loudly. And then there's other times we almost don't hear anything. It's almost a little bit silent. Don't get scared when that happens. If you're honestly walking before God and you're calling out to him, I don't mean you're backslidden. Backslidden and not hearing from God is one thing. But you're hungry for God and you're wanting everything he has and you're not hearing his voice at that moment. Do not stop. It's just that God wants to take you up to another level. There's another place of intensity that you're going to grow into and that answer is waiting for you. But that intensity increases as we give more of ourselves over to the Lord. It's not always the amount of time, but it is the amount of your heart. That makes all the difference in the world. When we were uh, out of Bible college, we went to Meridian, Mississippi, worked in a church for a year, and went back up to school to get ordained. And so that year while we were up at ordination, Roy Hicks Sr. came up and laid hands on me. And at that point, he said, brother, he said, all I hear from God is that you need to spend more time in his word. Now at that time, 
I was already spending each day about two hours just studying the Bible. But here was a man who had spiritual authority over me who was there speaking at that ordination ceremony. So this is what I said to him. I said, I receive it in Jesus' name. We got back in the car the next day, started our journey back down to Mississippi. The next day when I got up, I told my wife, I said, I'm going up to the office a little early. I'm just going to spend three hours a day. I'm going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to start going through again. So I got to the office. I thought, I'm going to spend this extra time. And while I was there in the office praying and reading my Bible, I got to Genesis chapters 10, 11, and 12. And it was one of those moments in my life that I heard the audible voice of the Spirit say to me, Stop. You were told that everything in the Old Testament was historical, but I'm telling you what I did for Abraham, I'll do for you if you will believe. And I saw Abraham that didn't have anything, and he used his faith, and it was counted for him as righteousness. I called my wife up on the phone. I said, I got it, I got it, I got it. It isn't the amount of time in the Word, but it is taking the Word and truly making it mine. So that what God said, I believe. That settles everything. Amen? The good news is none of us have to perform the miracle. The Spirit of God in us performs the miracle as we lay hands on the sick and see them recover. It is all a God thing. It, it transformed our lives. I want to always know that if the man or woman of God who is preaching or teaching or sharing the word, that if I'm there and I'm hearing the word be brought across properly, that when they say something, I want to receive it. I don't ever want to just go to church to have church. I don't ever want to just sit in a meeting and say, oh, it's Sunday, I'm supposed to be in church. I want to go hungry for something from the Lord. Uh, stay in this same chapter and look down at uh, verse 14 through 17. Verses 14 through 17. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Oh, hallelujah. See, it's not wrong to show respect to people in the natural. If your mother or father walk in the room, you show respect to them. If someone from your family, there's a certain respect factor that goes on. Your boss that you work for, there's a certain respect that goes on. Same thing when you see a police officer, there's a certain respect that's there. Uh, the next thing you can look at a soldier and somebody who's serving that way, and there's respect for that office and that place of authority. But you need to know this, every one of them on the inside is just like you. We all need the Lord. 
And when we have the Lord in our lives, he transforms us. He changes everything. So now we start to look at spiritual things. Don't ever look at spiritual things as if you are not worthy to go talk to somebody. You're worthy because Jesus is in you. The problem we've had through the years in Christianity, even with Christian television that's come up, is we put people up on a pedestal. And we start to think, oh, if I could just talk to them, if I could just be with them, if they would just pray with me, I know I would be healed. Thank God for wonderful men and women throughout history who have been obedient to God and have been used in big campaigns and little campaigns. Thank God for everything that goes on for his glory. But remember this, at night they go home and take their shoes off and they have their stock and feet that are just like yours. They brush their teeth just like you do. They have a normal life because we all live in this flesh. But if you will yield to the Spirit, God will use you mightily. Hallelujah. And never sit back and think, well, I can't travel to so-and-so. If I could go to them, I know I'd be healed. Your friend sitting next to you tonight can pray for you, and you have just as much of an opportunity to be healed as if you had driven a long distance. Thank God for those times. I mean, I love going to a convention or a campaign like that. It's exciting. It's good. But think about it. You've driven 500 miles. You put effort into it. You have now gone to be able to sit in a special meeting. They didn't open the doors for you to come in until they were ready. You couldn't go in and put your Bible down. I remember in the 70s, people would bring their Bible in ahead of time to hold their seat, and then they'd go out and talk and do other things like that. Uh, you don't have too much of that problem today. But the good news is that God is doing something on the earth. And it's not going to just be in big meetings where you put a lot of effort in. It will be when you are with your friends at work and someone needs prayer and you say, let me pray with you. And you just start to pray in faith and the power of God falls. Hallelujah. One of the little guys that uh, men is short in stature who comes into our meal on Tuesday nights in here that had got a, a bad report about his health the other day. And so when he was walking through, I had told him I knew what, what was going on. And uh, I said, can I pray for you? Now, the particular church denomination he belongs to doesn't believe in divine healing. But you know what? When you get a bad report, you start thinking maybe it might work. Hallelujah. You don't care about church doctrine. You want to be well. Same thing with any of us. We don't feel good. We want to feel well. Man, I said, can I pray for you? He put his arm up, grabbed one around my shoulder. I, his daughter was there. We got into a little huddle, and we were praying out here in the lobby and just believing God for him. Hallelujah. That's what we are called to do. We are called to be light in a dark world. And I love how this speaks in verse 17. It's, it's, well, you know, I keep saying I love this verse. I love that one. Don't you just love the word? <laughs> We're not going to pick and choose. What's my favorite verse tonight? <laughs> Here we go, verse 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. Thank you for the newness of the Spirit. Thank you for the heritage that I have, the experiences that I have been in, the places that I have known and seen and felt and known the power of God. But there is even more that is out there in front of us if we will hunger and thirst for it, if we will believe for the impossible to be possible. See, you've got to have something in front of you to use your faith for. 
You don't just sit back and say, well, I'm going to tuck my faith in today. I don't think I'll use it. No, no, no. You use your faith every day. Faith gets stronger. The more you use it, the more that it goes on. Look at verse 21 in the same chapter. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the first, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise the Lord. Jesus said you'd do greater works. How are those greater works going to happen? Because all of you have the power of God inside you. Praise the Lord. Are there goofy things out there? Are there extremes that are out there? There's always been extremes. How do you balance it? How do you figure it out? Stay true to the word of God. I know people from growing up in this area that I've known for a long time, and it seems like every kooky idea that comes out, they're behind it. Oh, did you hear this? Did you hear this? Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You know, I had a friend that I went to Bible college with that when the Y2K thing came out in the year 2000, you all know what we did here. We had a big celebration that night. We had a prayer meeting in here, and then we had fireworks set off outside. How irresponsible of us. That's what my friend told me. He was pastoring in uh, Pennsylvania at that time. And he said, we've had our people all dig root cellars. They've all had big gardens all summer. We're storing food in our root cellars. And so when we were talking, I told him what we're going to do. He said, that is the most irresponsible thing. You are not a good pastor. He said, your people are going to be outside watching fireworks when all the power goes out and no one's cars will start. They'll be stranded at your church and you have no food to feed them. Goodbye. Wow, that was a downer. But you know what? I had nothing in my spirit saying the end of the world was going to happen or that all the computers were going to crash. All I knew was the people that I respected spiritually weren't saying anything like that. There was all kinds of crazy people. There was a church in Chicago that had bought a warehouse and was storing food for all the things. They, they wanted to be able to supply as many people as they could in the future. Good ideas, but say kooky. We've got to be able to stay out of the kooky and be able to stay with the real. So that night when the fireworks were going off, we were standing outside, and I was looking at my watch, and I saw that it hit midnight. I looked at my wife, and I said, Whew, I'm glad we were right. great man of faith right at that point I knew what I had but isn't it wonderful when God confirms it to your heart and you go wow I was right because sometimes we, we aren't we miss it we're off a little bit thank God for those moments that we're right and we learn how to make things right um, let's go back over to Matthew just for a quick moment here Matthew chapter 20 After it was all over, I called my friend out in Pennsylvania. I said, how you doing? Well, we've got lots of things. We're prepared. I said, amen. I said, we had fun. They were hunkered out in their root cellar that night thinking everything was going to go crazy. People said that the bridges were going to be blown up going across Mississippi River, all kinds of things. One lady said, don't you know all the water systems are going to be poisoned? No one will be able to have any water. It will all be turned off. Aren't you having people in your church store water? I said, we have a well. 
I said, I suppose if you all don't have any water, you can come up and we'll go ahead and use our well to give you water. That's not good preparation. Hallelujah. Are you there? Verse 25. And Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Again, all this tonight, these are some of my most favorite verses that just pop out at me all the time in my mind. And I wanted to share them with you tonight because today we're into making people into superstars. If you talk to teenagers and they put some video up on YouTube, I'll never forget when that was first all coming out and the phenomenon there and some of our youth were doing something and put out on YouTube and they said, I'm famous. I'm famous now, I'm on YouTube. And then you start realizing that there's people that are popping pimples on YouTube. You know, that, that, that's their thing that they're doing on there. Yeah, you're really famous, aren't you? Crazy stuff. Why is there this desire inside of us? I suppose it's just the flesh that wants us to do something big with our lives. But you know, there is something that's godly in that also, in that I just want to do what God wants me to do. I want to get as many people saved as I can possibly get saved. If that's the desire in your heart, watch out, you're going to be a servant of God. Watch out, you will see people come to Christ because of your obedience and not caring who gets the credit for it, but that you just want to point people to Jesus. If you'll take that in your heart, you'll realize that something great's going to happen and it's going to touch people's lives and a community if you don't care who gets the credit. First of all, we don't need the credit. It all needs to go to God anyway. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. Sunday I'm going to be talking a little bit about the God thing as we are praying and waiting upon him for his plans and his purposes. You must serve God. You can't compromise on those principles. When it comes to anything you do, make sure that the people who are speaking into your life, you can be friends with unsaved people out there. That's how they get saved. But don't let them have more influence over your life than believers. Because before you know it, you'll start analyzing and thinking the way they think. I know some of the politicians right now, because they're coming up to their primaries, they're being rude to each other, they're calling each other names, this kind of thing. I got to tell you something. It's not right. No matter who you like or don't like, it goes on with a bunch of them out there. It's not right. It's not our job to put somebody down. Wouldn't it be horrible tonight is if you walked out the door and instead of people saying to you, good night, see you later, anything else like this, they looked at you and they started spouting off all of your shortcomings. Man, I wouldn't want to be with those people. Oh, here they come. Here they're going to talk everything bad about me. They know everything bad about me. There's so much junk in the news right now. The big temptation with Bill Clinton and all that junk being drugged back up again. You know what? That's in the past. 
I don't know his life. I don't know anything that's going on inside him. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear those ladies' names. I don't want to hear any of that stuff in the news. I just want to turn the TV off at that and say, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that. My job is to pray for those in authority. Anybody can blow it and make mistakes. Anybody can have problems and have problems that reoccur if they don't put it back underneath the blood. But the simple fact is, by carrying on, we can get caught up in their mess instead of us living like believers. Let's set the example. Let's be the ones who, when people are talking about their favorite candidate or things, and they're putting others down, be able to say to them, you know what? I'm not here to complain about somebody. I pray for them. And if I pray for them, I can't talk bad about them. Hallelujah. My goodness, Meg, you know, wouldn't it be... I'm trying to think of something bad in your life. Your father. No, let's, let's say something had happened in your life and, and it was known publicly. Wouldn't it be horrible to have somebody walking around behind you speaking those things of your past and never letting go of it? If you'd, especially if you'd turned your life over and made a new beginning and God had been doing some wonderful things. Who needs to hear the junk? Why would you ever want to be around those people? I don't want to be around them. They're just saying all this kind of stuff about me. I don't want to hear it. Be around those who will build you up and edify you and cause you to grow closer to God. Hallelujah. We've all got skeletons in the closet. We've all got things we're ashamed of knowing or thinking. Even if you didn't do it, you thought about it, and you stopped yourself. Remember, Jesus said, thinking about it is just the same as doing it. We still have to repent. Tonight, my heart's cry for us as we go into this time of prayer coming up this week is that each of us would be so moved upon by God. We, we, we just take our personal enjoyment in the presence of God to a higher level. That we take that relationship of knowing him and hearing from him to another place the more could be revealed to us than we've ever known before but that means I have to be willing to listen and I have to be willing to change that's my heart cry tonight let's go ahead and get ready to pray together here just for a few moments tonight hallelujah Hallelujah. Lord, we repent before you. Personally, we just take that time to repent in our own lives. I'm going to ask you to do that just quietly where you are right there. If there's things, maybe I said something tonight that just pricked your heart and you know that there's something that has to be dealt with. Go ahead and just take a moment and spend that with God. Get that taken care of. Get it taken care of. Let God come in and bring healing into your life. No more carrying that guilt around. No more holding back. But calling out to God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I stay underneath your blood tonight. Help me to build a servant's heart in everything that I do and say. Oh, God. Forgive me for bringing up somebody's past. Forgive me for not letting go of somebody's past. Make me whole. Spirit, soul, and body, make me whole. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.